Muggles with Attitude is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that in the original British Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the basilisk was an armadillo, but when they translated it for the American audience, they... See, J.K. Rowling thought that an armadillo was a fictional creature, so they changed it to a basilisk. Because we here in, in America know that an armadillo is real, and a basilisk is something that we think is fictional, but they know in England is real. For more armadillo-related facts and to unlock bonus content, check us out at www.patreon.com slash club. Hello there, you're listening to MWA, Muggles with Attitude. I'm Alice Sullivan. I'm Michael Sparkman. And I'm Jeff Lake. And today we're going to be reviewing the movie based on the second book in the series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, or as it's called in Britain, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Because <laughs> the, the first book, they, the first they both, the every, the every first title they have to read, every book they retitle for the American oh. audience. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Armadillos. Yeah. yeah. What did y'all think of the movie? So, okay, generally this is considered, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, does everyone kind of agree this is the worst of the Harry Potter movies? It's the worst one I've seen yeah. of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the thing is, is like I went in with really low expectations. I don't think I've seen this movie since it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. And it was not as bad as I remembered. It was, don't get me wrong. It was awful, but I like I remembered it being like even less entertaining to watch than it was. That's interesting. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe the the key is expectations. And when I was going into the movie in the theaters, I was thinking, oh, I love this series. This movie's gonna be great. I'm so excited to see it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like really disappointing. Mm-hmm. And now my memory is, oh, this movie's really disappointing. So when I watched it, I was like, eh, it's no, oh, not right. good, but not you know. <laughs> I've seen much worse movies since then. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back and rewatch the Hobbit movies then. Maybe they won't be as terrible this go-round. It hasn't been long enough. Yeah, probably you know. not. Unless you're talking about the original uh, animated Hobbit movies. No. Oh, okay. Then no, it hasn't been long enough. <laughs> yeah. So this movie was really slow. It was, and it was almost three hours, which yeah. is insane. It didn't need to be three hours. I felt like there was lots of scenes that could have been trimmed down, lots of stuff that could have been removed completely. And it seemed to be actually pretty faithful to the books, for the most part, mm-hmm. to its detriment. Because a lot of the books is just kind of people talking to each other. And in this movie, the there are a lot of scenes of just people talking to each other, and they're framed in this really uninteresting way, right? It's just like a, a shot of one person talking, then a shot of another person talking, then a shot of another person talking, and then in like a Dutch angle tilt. And it's dull, right? And the, the stuff that's actually happening in this book is not that dull, right? People are getting petrified. There's all this suspicion around Harry Potter. Gilderoy Lockhart is an entertaining new character, but the way it's shot is boring. What's, yeah, what I thought was interesting is that this the longest scenes in this movie, the ones that feel to me really, really uncomfortably long are the action scenes. Like, I, I wonder if this movie would have been more interesting to watch as a mystery instead of as an action movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if they had spent more, spent all that bonus spider time, for example, on like a little bit of like plot or something. I wonder if it would have been a more, a, a more entertaining movie to but watch. There was so much plot. Yeah. There was a whole movie worth of plot in between the long action scenes. 
but a lot of it wasn't important stuff, maybe, or I don't know. Maybe they tried to cram too many plot points and not enough like plot development. I think if they'd had better a better screenwriter, it would have been so much better because it felt like they were whoever was, did the screenplay was struggling to include everything that was in the plot and just did not do so well. Yeah, uh, uh, the best adaptations are the ones that actually make significant changes to the the written source material so that it fits the cinematic form better. Mm-hmm. You can't have as much detail. You can't have as many characters. Yeah. And they did remove a few characters here and there that I noticed. Like, they got rid of the, the ghost history professor. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, McGonagall gives those those same lectures. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't nearly enough. And they it feels a lot like the Lord of the Rings films where they just added these incredibly long action scenes. And I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe they felt like if there's too much talking and not enough cool CGI on the screen, people won't feel like they got the bang for their buck, the spectacle. Well, I think there's a balance, too, because it's a kid's movie that doesn't want to be a kid's movie. I you don't guess, think so? If that makes sense. Well, I don't know. It didn't, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a typical children's movie to me, but it, it does changed have, my mind. Yeah. No, it does have a lot of those, like, silly, like, kid, like gags i guess like for example when they're uh, in the beginning when they're um they're driving along and then the train is behind them and they're like oh they look at each other like oh no and oh, then yeah, there's a reaction shot from the owl the owl goes oh no <laughs> like that's very that's like very ch- children's movie-esque you know you know the first movie had a lot more of that stuff remember they had neville longbottom just or maybe it was some other character just blowing themselves up in every scene yeah that was the irish kid seamus Finnegan. Right, the Irish kid blowing himself up. Yes. <laughs> Not very cool. <laughs> no. Uh, they, but that was in, on every scene, there'd be like, boing, oh, hey, kids, this is this entertaining thing. And I thought it was dumb at the time, but this movie could have used it. I, I think it was more appropriate, the, that silliness, because it's the first movie in the series, so they were very young, and the first book, I think, is the least dark of all of them. And then the second book, there's a lot of really dark themes and ideas going around, but... They, it did not translate well. I don't think they explored any of, any of those themes with any depth, though. Really, honestly, like the 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 racism thing of of, of the mudblood idea, mm-hmm. they they kind of just like they barely touched it in the movie. I feel like mm-hmm. as, as compared to the book, and uh, yeah, I mean, I like I feel like they they tried to make a dark movie, but they didn't actually like write a dark movie. Like they shot it in you know, there's like oh the shadows and stuff, but I don't know, it didn't didn't feel as dark as as they wanted it to yeah. be maybe mm-hmm. i will say that the action scenes didn't seem to have much hinging on the outcome which is usually what makes action scenes compelling there was the one really long action scene probably the longest one was the the car action scene yeah and being chased by spiders you know what's what's the downside here they're not going to make it to hogwarts i mean we kind of know they are right mm-hmm. and yeah they were chased by spiders there was also the quidditch game which was really long you know, yeah. and the the takeaway from that scene is the bludger is acting funny and it breaks Harry's arm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but there's this long scenes of this, the the bludger like blasting holes in the wall and all this all the special effects showering all over the place. Yeah, yeah. that felt super unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yes. And definitely like nothing like both of those scenes they they added just a tremendous amount of content that was not even not, that was not present in the books. It was like they dragged that scene out in a, in a way that it was. Boring, I think. Yeah, it was made repetitive. it actually seem boring. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there, Harry dodges and the bludger blows a hole in the wall. That that pattern repeats itself about fifteen times. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't think you're even exaggerating there. I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. I'm having I'm having trouble reviewing this movie because the the Chamber of Secrets I think is the weakest book and it's definitely my least favorite. So it's a not very well done movie adaptation of a not very good book in terms of like it's because it's such a Chamber of Secrets is such a weak plot and so I guess I wonder like how much were the filmmakers actually able to do with it. Uh, I mean, like, there's a lot of material to work with, right? I, I mean, if they, if, if, if a skilled screenwriter, like, sat down and trimmed, like, a lot of, a lot of fat, they probably could have come up with something good, you know? Mm-hmm. But trying to convert a mediocre book from the series into, like, this, the, the movie that would be, like, a true representation was probably a bad idea. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? That, that pattern where somebody makes a really good first movie... And they give them another movie, and they give them free reign to do whatever they want. Yeah. Instead of, like, holding their hand and, and forcing them to edit it down to a tight 130 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one, they they kind of let them put whatever they want into it, and it's just bloated. There's too much to it. Mm-hmm. So this this was directed by Christopher Columbus? It was. Yeah. So what, what like, are there any other, does he make he, good movies? Well, he discovered the new world. <laughs> yeah. That's I, right. Yeah, I mean, he's the vampire who's lived for over 400 years. <laughs> right. Bicentennial Man, Stepmom, Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire, really? Interesting. Huh. Home Alone and Home Alone Two. Yeah, that's uh, what he's famous okay, for. Adventures in Babysitting. Okay, so he's he's a a kids movie blockbuster director or something. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. He consider well, I guess Home Alone was pretty big at the time, right? It was huge. Yeah, it's gigantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess it made sense to to use him for this, uh, though he did yeah poor job with it. I think. I think he did. It's one of those things where. He's got a really difficult task mm-hmm. because what the studio wants from him is is to make a a tent pole that generates lots of spin off merchandise and that connects to the next movie and make this kind of epic thing right they're They're looking at Lord of the Rings, they're looking at the Matrix trilogy, and mm-hmm. they're saying that's what we want you to make mm-hmm. and so there are probably a lot of cooks in that kitchen yeah there's, pro- there's probably a producer that's like making sure the toy line works and a producer that's making sure. The books are like trying to make sure the books are faithful to the original material, and a producer who's got the plan for five movies down the road is trying to make sure they don't do anything they can't undo, mm. and the, and you get this this mash. I do feel sorry for him that when they he directed it, he did not know how the series was going to end. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's probably hard. I think that's a yeah. challenge when you don't know what is important to emphasize now because it's going to be important later. Things right. like that. So he doesn't. Because he may have come in there and said, well, what the storyline needs here is this or this. Mm-hmm. And, but, but somebody who's an expert on the source material might be like, well, you can't do that because we're going to reveal this other thing next time. I was, think was J.K. Rowling not involved? Or? She was a consultant on it. And apparently there were times when she was like, nah, man, don't do that. Uh, but no, she did not. The only person who she told anything to was uh, Alan Rickman. At one point she gave him some information that would be useful for his character to know, but even he refused. He he died without telling. Um, He took it to his grave. He did. Speaking of Alan Rickman, I think the 
all the adult actors in this movie do a really good job. Yeah, the casting is incredible. Yeah, Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, he's Kenneth so, Branagh. He's so good. It is so good. Although I have to say his smile, not quite big enough, you know? That he, he's like the 12-time running Most Charming Smile. Which yeah. <laughs> Weekly's, yeah, Most Charming Smile winner. I think I think it should have been bigger and toothier is all I'm saying. <laughs> he was perfect. McGonagall has always been perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Snape is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Dumbledore is, is, is really good. Even the all the other characters are good. You don't think he's very good? Dumbledore? No. This is, okay, I know that they changed Dumbledores at some point, right? They did. Uh, the first man who played Dumbledore passed away, and so he was replaced. Yeah, I remember uh, not liking this Dumbledore as much as the first Dumbledore when I watched these movies the first time. He felt more austere, and you didn't see that playfulness that Dumbledore has in the books. I yeah. think that was what it was for me. I completely agree. Like In, in this, he's very like solemn, and I guess I'm... The smartest, wisest. It's pretty much, I'm God, you know? Yeah. Maybe the way he's written, because they they took out... Remember the scene where he comes out and says, I'd like to say a few words? And then he just says random words, right? They they took out that stuff, which was the stuff that made him seem silly. Mm -hmm. That they left in the stuff where he's saying, Harry, do you have anything you want to tell me? Mm -hmm. You must not go in search of the Chamber of Secrets, Harry. Mm -hmm. So they left him all the solemn stuff. Yeah, true. They didn't didn't write him as, as... A little bit on the crazy side, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Hmm. It's like Gandalf when he becomes Gandalf the White. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just boring. Yes. Gandalf the Dull. <laughs> Although, one problem, there's nothing they could have done with... I. It sure seems to me like Daniel Radcliffe aged five years in between these movies. Yeah. I, 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 did we ever figure out what his actual age is at the time of making these movies? Because you're right. Like, it, it, him playing as a 12-year-old doesn't feel realistic i mean he's yeah he's got like a deeper voice he's taller he's... <laughs> yeah meanwhile rupert and they're, they're, they're... oh bless their hearts <laughs> it's clearly like in the throes of puberty right now <laughs> his true. voice is cracking constantly yeah and and rupert grin is as tall as the teachers you know it's not a kid <laughs> yeah yeah um so harry potter and the sorcerer's stone was 2001 so he was 12 harry potter and the chamber of secrets was 2002 so. Yeah, so he just sprouted up. Yeah, he just Maybe sprouted. Maybe they shot it in a shorter amount of time. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. But Harry Potter and the, and the next movie, it was two years until it was released. But after that, it looks like it's one every year, mm-hmm. which they were under a tremendous amount of pressure to do. I bet every they were. one to two years, it looks like, actually. Wow. Yeah. So uh, actually 12 just didn't, didn't really feel like it. Must be all the hormones in his milk or something. <laughs> wizard hormones. <laughs> yeah, wizard hormones. So, so uh... Speaking of, you were talking earlier about like producers looking for tie-ins and stuff like that. There were a couple scenes that felt like they were designed to be like an amusement park ride or something like that. Oh yeah, like the car thing and the 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 broom thing. Watching that, I was like, they are trying to make a roller coaster, or or they're gonna like Universal Studios is gonna like buy this for a, yeah, a ride, that's, right? That's what they're looking at. How do we turn this into a ride? How do we turn this into toys? How do we make video games out of this? Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I thought Moaning Myrtle was great, though. That was Speaking of good casting, that was oh, great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was fun. She was a lot of fun. She didn't do that much moaning. But I guess they probably didn't want to have just a whole lot of moaning time. <laughs> <laughs> she did moan a couple times, and when she moaned, it was like like top-shelf moaning. Yeah, it was all right. Moaning. That actress nailed it. Yeah, female <laughs> moaning. moaning. Mm-hmm. I especially want to call out Lucius Malfoy, who was Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just so great. I know. He's so... Evil and cold and icy. Yeah. yeah. So, so we talked about the the fact that there were a lot of things that were 
unnecessarily jammed in there trying to like stay true to the books. Were there any things that you that got dropped that you felt might be important or anything like that? Well, things like, and I don't know, it's so hard because on one hand, you don't want to cram so much detail and there becomes tease. But on the other hand, like they left out why Harry tried to write in the diary in the first place. Yeah. He, yeah. He just decided to sit down one day and write, hi, I'm Harry Potter. The way the scenes are put together, it seems like he did that immediately. Yes. Yeah. He picks up the book, he goes to his room and he immediately, like he takes some ink and he drops it on the page for some reason and it disappears. And he's like, Oh, and he starts writing, hi, I'm Harry Potter. That doesn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why would you do that? Unless there are just piles of books in his room that all have, I am Harry Potter. <laughs> He's all like, work and no play, make Jack a dull boy. <laughs> He's just like practicing writing, hi, I'm Harry Potter. For... <laughs> his handwriting did, did kind of suck. He needed some practice. That's true. But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. That scene felt like it was lacking context. And as a result, mm-hmm. it was pretty weak. Also, super missed opportunity for a bunch of... Uh, Grumpy Cupid Dwarf, which I think would be a great yeah, scene. Yeah, they cut the, the, the Valentine's Day scene. Yeah. That would have been so much fun. Yeah, I mean, maybe, it, maybe it'd be a little exploitative or something. And I they left know. out my absolute favorite line, which is, don't you know not to trust something if you can't see where it keeps its brain? That's true. Yeah, the, the Weasley parents weren't even in the end of the movie. Instead, mm. we had like 20 minutes of Hagrid and the kids staring at each other while everyone cheered i guess oh that no yeah. so they didn't weird. even cheer they were just watching everyone was watching hagrid talk to right yeah. it was such an odd choice to end the movie with everybody cheering for hagrid uh, yeah i didn't understand that at all I, to me that feels like a producer said this is how these movies end that's how the first movie end everybody was cheering for them in this great hall so let's just have everybody cheer in the great hall yeah and what what do we got going on in the Great Hall? Oh, let's have Hagrid walk in and they'll cheer him. Sure, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Ship it. Which doesn't make any sense because, like, you know, I mean, like, other than the three of them, probably a lot of people aren't spending time with Hagrid, right? I mean, like, yeah. he's not the beloved gameskeeper of uh, of Hogwarts. He's just like... Yeah, he only really spends time talking to Harry and Ron and Hermione. Yeah, it's not like he's a teacher or anything. He has no reason to be talking to any of the other students ever. And... He opens the door with a crossbow every time. <laughs> Apparently, that's how he greets people. So he's, he's not very approachable. No. The CGI was improved, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely felt like they had more money. What really stood out for me was, I think we, we talked about this a little bit, was the, the Quidditch match scene. Yeah. Comparing the first movie's Quidditch to, or, or Broom Flying, rather, to the second movie's Broom Flying was pretty... pretty yeah, the productive. way they moved was pretty solid. The animation was all right. Uh, the scene was kind of boring, but the stuff, the, the people looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I um, there was never... I actually didn't notice any scenes where they had the characters transition to creepy CGI face. Like they did in the troll scene in the first movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually... I wonder if they were running short on budget by the end, because they spent all that money on early CGI, but they... Something that I was really disappointed is they didn't have... At the end, they didn't have uh, Fox fighting the Basilisk. Which is something that would have been a great cinematic... They didn't, really. Like, he attacked the eyes and he flew away. And he dropped the hat and he flew away. That's what happens in the book. No, in the book he's, like, fighting the basilisk actively the whole time. Tearing pieces off it and blood's pouring everywhere. That's why... I remember him just poking the eye out and then Harry Potter sword fights him. Am I crazy? I thought he just destroyed the eyes. I thought that was it. I don't know why I thought he was, like, harrying the basilisk the whole time. Which is why Harry was... Uh, Harry, Harry. <laughs> Which is why Harry was able to like survive against the basilisk because like Fox was distracting it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. 
Yeah. I thought Harry was just a natural born sword fighter. Yeah, that, snakes all day. <laughs> yeah, just like dueling the snake, like face to face on that statue. That was mm-hmm. a little interesting. The, the CGI for the transformation scene was pretty good. It was yeah. nice and creepy, you know, the, the Harry's body changing and bubbling and becoming this other thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like the flu powder scene. <laughs> just <laughs> when Ron bursts into flames, yeah, Ron with no explanation, place and burns to a crisp, <laughs> and they're like, "All right, Harry, you're next." <laughs> A little bit of background, a little bit of context. Yeah, really nice. I mean, when you think about it, the Weasleys could be part of a creepy doomsday cult. We don't know. Yeah. They live right. out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, Harry Potter is here. That means the day has arrived, my children. <laughs> it's one enormous family. <laughs> Step into the fireplace. So you can... They grow all their own stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can transition to the next world. Mm. Uh, I thought Dobby was actually pretty creepy looking. And I guess maybe he was supposed to be. I don't know. Like, the, they... they they CG'd the, the, his face with a lot of weird texture, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe. It made him look uh, really uh, unusual, I guess. It was an interesting choice. I wonder what the artistic decision-making was like to make him look the way he did. He never quite looked like he was part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a contemporary of Lord of the Rings, and Gollum was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a, a great job with the texturing and the lighting. I think it was really a lighting problem. Yeah. Because there were several times when I noticed that the shadows were falling wrong from Dobby, which they were, they were trying to do correct. You know, they were, they were trying to have the shadows from the right light sources, the same as everything else in the scene. But there were some scenes where he just had sort of a blob shadow beneath him, like Mario. Yeah. And that, that makes him feel like he's not part of the scene, you know, like he's not actually touching anything. Mm-hmm. And they did that thing that is really hard to do where a living character touches an animated character. So there'd be scenes where Daniel Radcliffe, in real life, is standing there with his fist out, and he's supposed to be holding Dobby, and they added Dobby later, but the motions don't quite match up, because, like, Dobby will struggle, and it doesn't move the fist at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're getting a lot better at that in, in modern movies. They, they can actually, like, make the fist move and do a lot of post-processing stuff on it. Interesting. But it didn't quite work here. Mm-mm. And I liked Dobby even less in this, um... Because just watching it, if you have no idea about any of the rest of the series, he seemed even more suspicious and creepy to me. Like, actually seeing it, it really brought yeah. home how, not only what a dumb idea it is, but how cruel it was of him to, like, steal Harry's letters and destroy the pudding at the okay. beginning. I totally agree. I think Dobby is evil. And you remember I had the theory that Dobby was the thing from the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> He'd come out to just wreck Harry's life. Yes. But it reminded me of this show and book, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book and the show were very good. But in that show, there's an elf character. And the elf character, it's like he's, he is evil, right? He does bad things. But it's not because he hates humans or anything. It's because he's so alien that he doesn't think that, like, cursing a human to dance at a like party in their sleep for 50 years is a bad thing right he, he the elf is just like well that's that's what what i do you know that makes perfect sense for me to do that mm-hmm. and has these really horrible effects on the humans that get involved with this character mm-hmm. uh, and it, and it, it has this otherworldly power so no one no one can resist the things that it's doing it's it's more alien than it is evil and that's what this kind of reminded me of in the movie mm-hmm. like dobby does he have any empathy does he know how much pain he's causing Harry Potter? I would 1,000% have bought, if I didn't know anything about the rest of the series, that Dobby was actually doing all of this on Lucius Malfoy's orders. That he was malicious himself. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like, he, you find I, out he works for Lucius Malfoy, 
you should, you should yeah. be like, oh yeah, well that's why he's doing all this evil shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? Why did so? Why didn't Lucius just send his house off to go murder someone? I mean, like it seems like Dobby can do that kind of thing, right? Yeah, he could, right? If he hates Harry Potter because Lucius Malfoy hates Harry Potter because he spends his time worrying about students yeah. at school. Yeah, I mean, he did show up at the the bookstore just to like berate all the children there, <laughs> just to shout at the kids and then leave. <laughs> Hey, you, you're poor. Hey, you, you're ugly. Oh, you, what's wrong? Your parents are dumb. I don't know. Peace. No way out. <laughs> yeah, right? But if he, he could just send Dobby to, to mess with him. Yeah. And then be like, okay, and also like make friends with him or something, Dobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually gain his trust. That would be pretty great. Yeah, right? That would be a real evil thing to do. Mm-hmm. I still don't trust Dobby. There's just something not right with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He, he is. Like, they, they don't make it clear, but it seems like he is very, very powerful, magically speaking. I mean, more powerful than Lucius Malfoy, right? Yeah, someone who generally people seem to be afraid of. And yeah, I think I may have mentioned this on the other podcast, but I was also thinking of the movie The Ring. You know, where they help the little girl, <laughs> and the, the kids like, "Why did you help her? You're not supposed to help her." You know, even though she was like trapped, she's still evil. Yeah, that's what I think. It's good me, that right? she's trapped. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, who who decided that house elves should be trapped? I mean, maybe they had a reason, <laughs> right? Maybe there was a war or something. <laughs> what, what? Yeah, what was life like before house elves were you know, under under control? <laughs> They're just going around murdering people. Is there anything in that you felt like the movie did better than the books? Like anything, any scenes or or characters, anything? This is going to sound awful, but even though we literally just watched the movie, I'm having trouble recalling most of the scenes. It was really yeah. long. The, the, the most common thing anybody said while we were watching the movie was, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I attribute that partially to the fact that I haven't seen this movie in a really long time. What, what, what year did it come out? 2002? Mm-hmm. 2003? Yeah. yeah, so over 15 years. Because yes. I, I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since, probably intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well, it's, it is, it's picaresque, right? It's, it's episodic. These things happen that aren't always connected to each other, which is kind of cool about these books. Because, you know, it, there isn't always this, this thread holding things together. It's kind of like, you know, well, Harry and Ron have this adventure with a flying car. And then, well, they're done with that and they move on to the next thing. And that's cool because it kind of gives you the feeling of having a year at Hogwarts. You know, that's what a year at school is like. You know, these things, one thing happens after the other. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're not. And it all gets absorbed kind of maybe halfway through the book and the movie into this uh, Chamber of Secrets plot, you know, that the book is titled after. But that that also means, that that also explains why you may not remember some of the stuff, because the car really doesn't have anything to do with anything. You might totally forget the spiders, because they don't really connect to anything else. Yeah, they're just they're they're a red herring for the the greater mystery, I guess. Yeah, and I, they spent a lot of time on that on those spider scenes. Yes, a lot. That went on and on and on, like a, a rampaging spiders. Mm-hmm. When it really just wasn't that important. And I think they never, neither the book nor the movie really sold the idea that Hagrid might be the heir of Slytherin. No. No, I I agree. It's never. It was never viable. In the movie, they 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 seem to in in the books. I remember it was a thing that 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 bugged me that the kids immediately say, "Oh, Hagrid must have done it," you know, like because this this random yeah, I mean, it's, diary tells it's them like that. right after the scene where Hagrid's like, "Oh, that mud mud stuff that's meaningless. Good wizards can come from anywhere." And then yeah, yeah they immediately they kind of turn on him immediately. It feels less like that in the movie, but I think it's just because they they hardly spend any time thinking about it or talking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that some of my favorite parts about this movie were visual stuff, like... I was going to say the visuals were better yeah. than the books. The setting was really nice. and Yeah, the, the books kind of flit by pretty quickly, and they don't, they don't describe the castle very much. They don't describe the rooms, the, the places, the people. The costumes are all really great. The, mm-hmm. the, the rooms they found, the, you know, the, the classrooms and stuff are all really well designed. The outfits are great on the characters. One of the things I really missed, and you reminded me of this when you're talking about, like, in a school year, just different things happen. There were only two scenes in the entire movie that took place within the context of a class. There was the (laughs) transfiguration thing, and then there was Gilderoy Lockhart's class, and I think that was it. And I really missed that, because in the books, there's a lot of just the day-to-day, okay, I'm going to go to potions now, or I'm going to go... Oh, there was the herbology, the one herbology class, too, but I missed that, because I guess that's one of the things I love about the books, is hearing about them going to class and all the crazy, cool stuff that they're learning. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the core fantasy of the books. Yeah. Is that, you know, you you get get being lucky to go to this awesome wizard school that is... Like your school, but better and cooler and fantastic. Mm-hmm. We just didn't get any of that. Yeah, I, I, in the books, every scene where they're in a classroom is entertaining because, like, it's it's so foreign and, and like magical, you know. Yeah, yeah they um, completely skip the scene where they blow up Snape's class in order to steal his potion ingredients. Yeah, they they cut out oh, most yeah. of the heist. It was just like, oh, we're bringing a potion. Oh, we have a potion now. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah it was just Hermione were... just randomly grabs a book in the library, and then boom, a month later. There's Polyjuice Potion. Exactly, yeah. Like the, the the book was supposed to be in the forbidden section. They had to like they had to get that first. Mm-hmm. And then they had to get the ingredients. There were like there are several tiers to this this heist in the book. And I understand the idea of having to take that stuff out just because you can't fit all those details in, except that I don't think they used their time well I in think, in replacing whatever they did. I completely agree. I think one of my biggest problems with the movie is not that they included too much stuff from the book as they include the wrong stuff from the book and i mean like that's 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 probably very subjective and i'm sure everyone would disagree on the right things to include but Mm -hmm. when we talk about that diary scene being so clunky and not making any sense Mm -hmm. because it's lacking context when we talk about like this this heist that was actually kind of a cool series of events in the book that they just you know they kind of chopped all of it up left on the floor and we have but but instead we have like these really long kind of boring other scenes that just you know yeah, and I think, too, like, by cutting cutting out so much of the stuff about the Polyjuice Potion really highlighted how dumb their plan was, which is one of the weaknesses of the books. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Polyjuice plan felt even worse in the, in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Especially when they, like, ten minutes later have the invisibility cloak out, right? <laughs> right, yeah. There's nothing else we can do except create this Polyjuice Potion and clip a finger off of these two people so that we can turn into them or something. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I was very disappointed that they did not have more Fermione. Because <laughs> that's the coolest thing that happened. We it, agreed it's Permione. Is it Permione? Yes. Does she purr? She doesn't seem like a purr. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, they, I, I mean, maybe maybe it was really expensive to to animate her or something. I don't know. It, but it, it was probably... Did it look, you said it looked more like practical effect, right? I think the... For that one shot, I think the the mask and head were practical and the eyes were CGI. And so she just, they 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 run back there after they've transformed back and they see Hermione and then that's it, though. It was over. It was like, oh, she was a cat and then it was over. They didn't really talk about how she got unfurred, right? No, they didn't mention that at all. She just was, she just was. I, did, I guess they just assume that any malady can be cured instantaneously by wizard magic. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, 
Not I, true for I most bet things. Madame Pomfrey just has kind of a stock of magic clones of all the students. So she has, she's got rooms full of these blank-eyed clones just sort of standing there. <laughs> and when one of the kids is like, oh, I can't bring that one back, she just sort of trashes that body and brings in a new That's one. That's so creepy. I just healed you. <laughs> yeah, there, there, I did like, I used Skelly Grow on you. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I gotta get to class. Toss this floppy-armed Harry into the meat grinder. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, the part of Harry Potter's family fortune comes from his great-great-great-whatever grandfather who invented Skelligrow. Oh, really? We find that out in the Pottermore writings. <laughs> oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So Skelligrow... And uh, Sleek Easy's magic hair potion. Is that also from the Potters? Yes. Ah, Are there bald wizards? Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore, wow. Okay, they could make so much money in the Muggle world. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, with any 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 of their medical son, their medical magic, right? Somebody who has, like, osteoporosis or something terrible, you can just regrow bones. Right, yeah, just give them a drink of Skelligrow. Right. And Harry Potter drinks it once and spits it out. <laughs> yeah, he got, like, maybe half a mouthful of it, right? He's like, oh, yeah, this will grow my bones back because I have no bones in my arm, but it tastes bad. <laughs> he sprays it all over the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They also wasted the polyjuice potion. That's right. Yeah, they had these these big old beakers full of it. Yes. Why did they not just bring that with them and continue to take little sips so that they wouldn't turn back after an hour? Oh, God. Can we talk about that that scene, the infiltrating uh, Slytherin common room scene? That was terrible. Well, I thought the Slytherin common room was really cool. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah, No, no. The the room was great. It looked like it was underwater or something. What was going on outside the windows? It's under the lake. Is it? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. It's, uh, so, so they they access it through the dungeon. It's under the lake. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It was it was a really nice room. They they had like those sweet leather couches. They had some really nice decor. Mm-hmm. So, what was your problem with it? Oh, just like the the way that they they wrote that scene uh, with Harry and Ron as Crab and Goyle. Oh, it was so bad. It was awful. It was just like it 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 was awkward and like Malfoy. There was it was unbelievable that Malfoy would not immediately know that they were they were who they were because they were like. Outbursting left and right. Oh, I'm gonna get you. I mean, uh, my stomach's hurting. You know, yeah. damn like, you, Malfoy. They it's should just, have just done it as it was written. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they like. It, it felt like maybe they were trying to like put a, insert a little a little comedy or something, but it it was really awkward and and terrible. I mean, there was one kind of funny line when one of them, I guess it's Harry, says like, "Oh, I read whatever." And Malfoy goes, really? I didn't know you could read. It was kind of funny. That, that was one pretty was good. amusing. Oh, but... yeah, because he had his glasses and he's like, oh, I wear them for reading. He's like, you can read? Yes, <laughs> that was funny, yeah. but the rest of it was awful. It, you didn't think that was a little sad? Like, this kid's in second year at the school and he can't read? <sighs> Don't they have a like a special needs program at the school? No. <laughs> it's called You Get to Live at Home <laughs> and not go to Hogwarts. But yeah, that that uh, other than that, that one point, which is a little funny, like the rest of it was just like, really poorly done it was unnecessary yeah yeah i don't you the the dissolution of tom riddle was dumb too they he throw he he that was a lot more murdery than it was in the books in the books he just disappeared yeah Mm -hmm. because he's a hologram or something right well uh, no he's wasn't he screaming or something in the book no he just he just i think he just disappears because harry Stabs the book. I think the book itself screams and all oh. the ink comes bubbling up and then he looks up and Tom Riddle's just gone. Yeah, and I, and I remember in the book it's it's happening as he's like blacking out too, right? It's like mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, he's like fading and it's like, oh, he 
drives the fang into the book and then kind of like slowly fit like he's he's dying in that moment mm -hmm. but in the book he was just like glaring at tom riddle and stabbing the book and it's over like, and over over and over again it really felt like he was murdering that guy mm -hmm. right yeah and yeah there, there's clearly a fatal blow to tom riddle because his hologram has a hole through it right and he's screaming uh -huh. and then harry potter looks at him and takes <laughs> the, the thing out and stabs it again and gets him in the face this and, time, and now there's a hole in his face, and he's, like, grabbing at his face, like, oh! He's like, he's like no, I'm dying, and this is really horribly painful. And Harry's like, oh, it <laughs> hadn't even begun yet. <laughs> I know. I, I gotta say, though, with the cringiest scene when uh, Tom Riddle writes on the, does the little, like, oh electric company God. thing, and he oh writes his Tom Marvolo riddle, and rearranges as, I am Lord Voldemort. I think that they, the filmmakers did the best they could with that because okay. that was so I, cringy. I can in think the book. of three approaches where you would fix that if you were writing this for a movie. Okay. One approach is you make the movie really kind of kid like and you fill it full of lots of silly stuff like that so it fits, you mm -hmm. know? Like, oh, ha ha ha, you know? But this movie was super dark, right? He's, it's the, Harry Potter's like covered in blood mm -hmm. and just stabbed a, a snake in the brain or something when this happens or that's about to happen or whatever. Uh, or you could just not do that at all, because who cares why he called himself Voldemort? Mm -hmm. Or he could say something along the lines of, yeah, I came up with this when I was a kid. <laughs> I was 16 years old. So, like, yeah, just, just kind of... I, I thought this was cool, it's kind of lame, but now it's my and now it's my email address, and I've had it for my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it is to change email addresses. You're a wizard. <laughs> Everybody uses Gmail nowadays. I could get a new one. I could be I am Lord Voldemort underscore thirty two. <laughs> I am the original Lord Voldemort. <laughs> T Riddle. T M Riddle. Yeah. Gmail.com. Be better. T Riz. <laughs> there was a bit of monologuing happening there. Does he monologue in the book as well? Uh, yeah, he's kind of talking to himself while Harry's fading in and out of consciousness. Okay, because in the in the movie he was definitely monologuing that entire end scene. It was just yeah, it's that's, Tom Riddle. Here's what I did, and here's how it happened. And, you know, it's just another scene of somebody talking to somebody else, and it's just like a, a a shot on one person, and then a shot on the other person, then a shot on one person, then a shot on the other person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no dynamism to the scene. There, there aren't very many interesting compositions, even though they're standing. At, across from that giant Slytherin face, mm -hmm. which is super awesome. But yeah, but that that's a great point. The Chamber of Secrets was way better in the movie than in the book. I yeah, think. it was very cool. Like, mm -hmm. all the different snakes, and, like, even the door was cool. I would have loved to have seen more of that. Yeah, right? They, they could have shown a lot more of that. But I said that's a lot of him running through the pipes, I guess. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, I think they probably didn't have a whole lot of time to make this movie. No. I, that's a great point. You're right. They really were in a huge rush. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I would say that's the worst one I've seen. Worst Harry Potter movie. Uh, you know, and, and I, I haven't seen this one came, since it came out in theaters, and I haven't seen most of them since they came out in theaters. But I do seem to recall that they get better from here. Uh, we'll see if that continues to be the case. But you know, I hope so because people keep telling me that they're. It gets more epic and more unified storyline e kind of. Mm -hmm. As they go along, and the stuff I think is cool is the kids going to class in wizard school. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, lots and lots of things they could have cut out. Especially, basically, if they just cut out everything that involved Dobby being a shithead, <laughs> that probably would have been really helpful, because Dobby being a jerk isn't actually that important to the plot overall when you think about it. It's something that could be resolved in a couple it's of sentences, really. True, yeah. All the... 
I mean, I guess him being a jerk is why they have the car action scene. Sure. And him being a jerk is why Harry's foster parents are extra mad at him at the beginning of the movie. Does that really matter? Not really, I don't think. I have to say, though, I thought it was a very strong beginning. I thought that was the the whole at Privet Drive, uh, the dinner scene and everything, I thought was incredibly faithful to the books. And I think they just killed it. The acting was great. The set mm. was great. Um, I love the Dursleys. Yeah, I, I, the Dursleys are fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're done really well in the movie, I think. I think they are. They do the Dursleys well. Mm-hmm. Even though they still never make it clear why Vernon Dursley is so desperate to keep Harry there. Yeah. Yeah, he's grabbing onto his ankles and trying to hold him in the house so he can't leave. Yeah. Even though he hates him and it's, he's always like, pretend you're not there. Mm-hmm. Be quiet. Yeah, this is the, like Harry leaving in a magic flying car is pretty much like the best possible outcome for Vernon Dursley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for Dursley family in general. They, what they should do is they should put the bars on after he leaves. <laughs> we don't want him getting back in <laughs> and a shout out to Aunt Petunia's uh, meringue dessert which looked like something they make in Great British Bake Off so. oh yeah it was very it was very nice mm-hmm. before it got smashed on that lady's head mm-hmm. for reasons for reasons yeah because Dobby um, what else can we criticize there, I mean like there were some things that I thought were really great like uh, the way they did the howler in the movie I thought was great like that the was little fun. the little screaming face or whatever and then it like tears itself up at the end that was kind of fun and and I guess that was something they kind of just made up because I think in the book they don't tell you a whole lot about what it does except <laughs> that it's a screaming thing the little we saw of the burrow I thought was very good too oh yeah the burrow was fun and I adore the actress who plays Molly Weasley I love her so much mm-hmm. she was great. I really liked um, the Mandrakes. I think they did a f- the, the Mandrakes were fun in the, the oh, movie. Oh yeah, that like was little screaming like <laughs> demon baby things. They're both horrifying and fun, you know. Oh, and the actress who plays Professor Sprout. Another great cast. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and rewatch Sense and Sensibility because she's in that and she's hilarious. And of course, Alan Rickman. May he rest in pieces in that too. And two other British actors who show up in later movies. Harry mm. Potter movies, because apparently there's only, like, 15 British actors. Yeah, they have a pool, and sometimes they have to reuse them. Uh-huh. They just put, like, a fake mustache on them or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maggie Smith, you have to be in this movie. I don't want to. Shut up. <laughs> You're going contract- to be Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> You're contractually obligated by the BBC. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the, the whole slug vomiting thing. Pretty nasty. That was gross. Yeah, it was gross in the books. It was even grosser my, to see it. That may be my favorite thing in the book or the movie. <laughs> it's just so gross. Self-cursing slug vomiting. He's like, oh yeah, there's only one. One. We've got some special apparatus for this. It's a bucket. Yeah, a big old Hagrid bucket. Yep. Which reminds me, I think the scenes when they were trying to show that Hermione was so, so sad and it was so mean to call her names was kind of over overacted. It felt very maudlin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that was their attempt to like to bolster the 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 themes that they weren't treating with as much attention as the books did. Like like the whole like I said the, like the, the the theme of like racism being a problem mm-hmm. in the Wizarding world. It's not really touched on in the in the movies as much as it is in the books. And I think that was like the one scene they were like, well, we really have one scene where we can really lean this like really drive this home. And and it, they gave it to. Um, they gave it to Hermione, but it wasn't her originally, right? Like, in the books, she doesn't know what that means either. Which makes sense, because she's not from the Wizarding World. I think it's Ron who explains 
what it means and why it's offensive. I don't know if she knew. I think she might have known. We don't know that she didn't know and that Ron explained it to her. I just got that Ron was explaining it to Harry because Harry didn't understand why it was so offensive what he'd said. I see. Okay. But I don't know. Yeah. It, it, uh, the, the hurt in her face was a little... Uh, uh, after school specially yeah 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 uh, affected i guess i have the same criticism i had of the book then which is that there's these themes that don't go anywhere like there's there's the theme of wizard racism which doesn't really go anywhere like you know harry he's like wizard racism is bad everybody says harry you know wizard racism is bad harry and at the end he's like yeah wizard racism is bad and all the bad people are just wizard racists and there's also the theme of the duality of him and Tom Riddle. He mentions that to Dumbledore. Like, you know, me and Tom Riddle, we're like the same. And I was kind of thinking, if I'm Dumbledore, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, he's twice your size and he's much older than you. And like, you, you just don't do anything the same. Yeah, all the parallel... You're, you're like a, a Dumbo who needs everything explained to him. Tom Riddle's the, the top student in this class. And when you say that, they left out, I think, one of the most important lessons you can get from the books... When Dumbledore says it's our choices that define us more than our abilities. They didn't go into that. They, they, yeah, they, Harry they, was angsty about how he could have been in Slytherin. And they don't go into that, though. That idea of choices and how that did make him different from Tom Riddle, even if there was that superficial resemblance. They do deliver that line in the movie, but it's just like really, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't land because it doesn't come from anywhere. Yeah, I think it doesn't land because they don't really go into the idea that Harry sees himself in Tom Riddle. yeah. Like, like that. Do they even mention that Tom Riddle was an orphan like Harry? No, no, no. We don't get any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they cut out all of the 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 links between Harry and Tom Riddle because mm-hmm. that's all stuff. That, that's stuff that's that's touched on in the book at several points where they say, "Oh, he kind of looks like you," or you know, "Oh, you know, he's he had, he had the same background as you," right? All these things. And and I think connected to that is is the idea that all the people think that he's the heir of Slytherin, which they didn't really go into that much in the movie. They did a little bit. But very, very little. You're right. There's just the one scene when the non-Gryffindors are kind of giving him the side eye. Yeah. You're right. They completely left that a lot of that out. Which is interesting because in the, uh, you know, speaking of scenes that they actually do better in the movie than in the book, the whole thing with the Harry and the snake, the, like in the movie, you see why the students would think that he was egging the snake on because it's yeah. because it's 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 shot that way. The the snake is is there and it's turning and and Harry's like being all creepy at it because it sounds creepy when he's speaking parcel mouth. Yeah, because in the movie they 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 made him speak in hisses when he's speaking parcel mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the book he's just like, hey, don't attack that kid. <laughs> I completely agree. That was better done. Yeah, well done. Mm-hmm. But that's like the but with that they could have easily done the. Harry as the the heir of Slytherin through the movie, and they don't really do that. No, it makes me wonder. So we watched the, uh, so was this the original? We watched the the slightly shorter version. Is it like is that the theatrical release that we watched then? I guess yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. So there's an extended version. I wonder what they put in those extra fourteen minutes. Can can we find out without having to rewatch it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's the only Damn way. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. Come yeah. on, of course it is. It's on the IMDb. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious if if they they use those extra 14 minutes to flesh out those missing plot holes, or if it was just you know an extra 14 minutes of you know running from spiders or what do we say, <laughs> Dobby's dick? Fourteen <laughs> 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 Dobby's dick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed his dick dangling and just flopping around uh, in all of the scenes. 
I thought that was a little weird for a kids movie. Yeah. They would just have Elf Dong there <laughs> on screen, like, you know. But, you know, whatever's weird. Yeah. No one's going to go watch this movie to check whether that's true or not. <laughs> yeah, there's there's that scene that we talked about where there's the wind blows up his pillowcase and he's just, for five minutes, he's trying right, to he wrestle. He can't quite pillow. get it down. Yeah. Can't wrestle the. Oh, is the that from gentlemen his... prefer blondes or some like it hot? Uh, gen- uh, yeah, I think it's gentlemen prefer blondes. Uh-huh. Like Marilyn Monroe. Gentlemen like, prefer where, the, where her, her dress blows up and you can see her dong. <laughs> <laughs> it's just flopping around while she's jumping. <laughs> so you said you would cut out the Dobby stuff if you were to shorten this movie. Well, I I, I would just cut out Dobby from the series. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. He's isn't he like I, I honestly don't remember. He is sort of important later, right? He is. Or, yeah. So I guess there's a there's a payoff eventually for Dobby, but you know for now, he definitely doesn't feel uh, like worth spending the time on. Yes. Plus, it's one of the most maddeningly nonsensical things about the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The ways he's trying to keep Harry from going back to Hogwarts at all. Yeah, Do- I think is super weak. That, that's that's a great point. Dobby is this like super powerful magical creature and the, the best solution he can come up with is to like torture Harry so he doesn't go to Hogwarts. Like he has the power to literally stop Harry from he could be Harry's personal bodyguard and like Harry would not have a problem, right? Because mm-hmm. this super powerful magical but instead he's just like, no, I'm gonna try and break his arm so he wants to go home. <laughs> yeah. It just does, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's a it's a really weak plot device, and it it never makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But what would you take up? Uh, I I I think I would shorten those action scenes by about half, and I would probably like I said, I I think if they had made this movie as more of a mystery and less of like a like a a silly action movie, then I think it would have actually been a lot better. If if it had been more about like them trying to find clues to uncover. The, the 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 secret the chamber of secrets mm-hmm. and f- figure out what's going on if they'd shot the movie as that interspersed with classroom scenes i think it would have been a, a really fun movie but instead they have these like long scenes where they're oh we're running from the train or this long scene where, oh we're running from spiders or oh we're running for the bludger i mean like it's just like it gets really boring mm-hmm. and i think that this i think that i i understand what they thought they were doing with those scenes and I think that they did a really poor job of it. I think that they thought those were the scenes that were going to make people excited about the movie. And to me, they were the the, the most boring parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. You? I think I would cut out the whole polyjuice potion scene. Yeah. Everything about it. Find some other reason for them to hang out with Moaning Myrtle. Because I don't think it really... They don't learn much. Uh, I think they, they had completely jumped to conclusions on Malfoy being the heir of Slytherin, right? Mm-hmm. And this whole thing was because they... They did this whole thing because they thought that Malfoy was the heir of Slytherin and they were going to, what, get him to admit it? Did they have a tape recorder? What was the even point of this? I guess at that point they would go to Dumbledore and say, oh, we heard him. We we, st- we stole a book. <laughs> we stole a bunch of ingredients. We blew up Snape's classroom and we dressed up as Crabbe and Goyle and learned that Harry, that Malfoy was the, the, mm-hmm. the culprit, I guess. That'd be the, the thing. Speaking of Malfoy being the culprit... Our other Malfoy. In the movie, they do this as well. Dumbledore is talking to Malfoy and is like, it would be a shame if any other Voldemort's school things ended up in the hands of an innocent. Like, clearly Dumbledore knows what happened. Yeah, he knows, right? So, he knows that Lucius Malfoy is responsible for all of these, like, terrible things happening at his school, and he just lets him walk away. Yeah, right? 
Does he not care? That, that's a great point. That's a great question. What is, what is, what is Dumbledore? Is he Dumbledore? afraid of Lucius Malfoy? Uh, certainly not, right? I mean, he's not afraid of Voldemort. Why would he be afraid of Lucius? Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. question. No. I do think that they did the... Maybe it's because it was so funny when they hung that cat <laughs> on the wall hanging it's... by its hooked tail. Jeff, don't you even have a heart? That's so funny. <laughs> Did you see it? It was just hanging there. It wasn't a very good cat. By its little curled it, tail. Yeah, it was. It was a little silly. It was. You could have hung it on anything. <laughs> why would they do you that? You could have got a bunch of cats and hung them all together. Why? Why did they hang it? A cat chandelier. Because it's so funny. <laughs> there is one thing, one thing only that unites humankind and basilisk kind, and it is the sure knowledge <laughs> that a petrified cat hanging from something is hilarious. <laughs> Fair enough. Sure. So that so Dumbledore's like, all right, Basilisk, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on, Basilisk. <laughs> oh, and uh, the the bit. So uh, this is something they added in the movie. I'm not sure why they did this. When Gilderoy Lockhart is post uh, memory wipe, and in the book, Ron kicks him in the shins a couple times. You know. Yeah. In the movie, he brains him with a rock. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's like out of nowhere. He's just like, Gilderoy's like, hey, where am I? Who am I? And Ron just like comes up behind him with a rock and just like, bam, right in the back of the head. I was like, is that, is, do we, wait, we don't see him after that, right? Oh, no, no, no we do see him. No, he brings him back up. Yeah, yeah, okay, we, we do see him on the Phoenix. Because I was like, because he's not in Dumbledore's well, office. Phoenix tears Helios, so yeah. maybe the Phoenix cried <laughs> on his shattered skull. Oh, I guess the Basilisk killed <laughs> Professor Lockhart. Yeah. Yeah. Basilisk looks like it hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> oh, no, when, that, when those rocks fell, I guess one of them must have hit him in the back of the head yeah. and killed him. Oops. I mean, okay, so either. You know, the, Ron, the scion of the Weasley crime family, is a stone cold murderer. <laughs> or. It's standard practice for the kids at Hogwarts to brain each other with rocks because they know that Madame Pomfrey will just steal them right back up. It's like, all right, it's, it's, it's okay. like a prank they it's play. It's just a like, minor skull fracture. They knock your brain out and take it Madame Pomfrey. <laughs> what happened? Oh, those stupid kids again. <laughs> knock their brains out all over the place. What a mess. Phelps is going to have to clean those brains off that floor. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess that's a series wrap on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We're going to take a break and return to our other series, The Dragon Reread, which covers Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series. We're going to do The Fires of Heaven next, book five of The Wheel of Time. Yeah, so go ahead and please check that out. And in the meantime, please uh, leave us good reviews about Muggles with Attitude. Please share us with wherever you got this. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can drop us a line at hello at mwapodcast.com. Or you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake. I'm Micah Sparkman. I don't have one of those. (laughs) Until next time, Finite Finite Podcast. Podcast.